This is the Leeds Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Phil Fraser. I'm a business sounding board. Think somewhere between a business coach and a business mentor. I help business owners not be lonely at the top. In this week's episode, we speak to Lee J. Walker, Joint Managing Director at TheBusinessDesk.com. Lee explains to us the essential business skills learned from being an engineer and an army reservist, the importance of understanding different cultures when doing business internationally, and, from his own experiences, what to look out for when doing an MBO. He also tells us why 3.5 million people per year read TheBusinessDesk.com, what their business model is, it's ace by the way, and how the business desk was affected by, and then responded to, the COVID pandemic. To make sure you never miss out on every episode of the Leeds Business Podcast, sign up to our priority list at www.leedsbusinesspodcast.com. Everyone that signs up gets a free gift to help their business. So, let's get into what is a really absorbing interview. So today's guest is Lee J. Walker, Joint MD at the Business Desk. Hi, Lee. Good afternoon, Phil. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Sorry, I've just called you Lee, and it's officially Lee J. Do you want to just tell our listeners, tell us listeners about your name? It, yeah, I've, I've spent my entire life explaining this. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm Lee J. I've got uh, two older brothers with very, very well, you know, sort of standardised names, and I, I was named after. Uh, uh, an American actor called Lee J. Cobb. There's very few people uh, are familiar with him, but that's where the name comes from. Fantastic. Okay, Lee J. So um, we were talking before, you started your professional career as an engineer. I did, yeah. I I, I left school when I was 16. Unfortunately, I, I didn't, um, I didn't uh, apply myself too much at school. I, I think they call it neurodiversity or whatever. I, I call it just messing around a lot at school and um, uh, and staring out windows because my, my brain was going too fast. But I I was given a job uh, in as an apprentice engineer. Apprenticeships seem to be the buzz buzz things nowadays. And uh, I did a full time job for five or six years and uh, even in school. Um, for five, five, six years as well. So I think engineering st- stood me in good stead for, for business, really. What do you think you learned from your, your time as an engineer that's applicable in, in the business world nowadays? We did installation work and commissioning work for, for large, well, we uh, started with uh, uh, religious places doing sound systems and we ended up doing things like, so I ended up commissioning the Millennium Dome as one of my, or the Lowry Centre in Manchester for their, Voice evacuation systems. So as I as I as I learned engineering, it sort of taught me to be quite methodical in everything that I do, and have a process in thinking. And that's something that I very much, you know, in business now when I'm thinking through troubleshooting and, and problem solving, everything's got a you know uh, uh, there's all there's always a, there's always an answer, and there's always ways that you can wade through things or work through things. Should I say? It's, and and that's something actually I find. Um as a business sounding board, it's, it's that logical process that I think sometimes business owners just get too close to things to, to think logically. So you started as an engineer. How did you get into the business world? I, 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 at the time when, when I was sort of young, knocking around with all my friends, a lot of them went off to university and or went to college and studied sort of business. There, um, and business studies seemed quite on vogue in the 
in the mid-90s for uh, a lot of people. Now, I went off and did this apprenticeship in engineering. And then um, I'd always fancied working in business. I, I realized that when I was an engineer, I could talk to people and I, I could definitely do the sales element of people. So, so I got to, I think I was 21 years old and I decided to go traveling around the world. Uh, so I did that for a year, went to Australia and all across Southeast Asia. And when I came back, Instead, I decided, well, I can either go back into engineering or I can start to pursue a career in sales. And somebody gave me a, a fresh job in uh, recruitment, working as a uh, engineering recruitment consultant. So really focused on that for a few years, uh, you know, top billing consultant uh, everywhere I worked. Um, and my, my, my application on that was just work, work very, very hard, work, work, work harder than the next person, you know. Um, that taught me a lot as well of understanding the you know how businesses work out there, how businesses interconnect, how businesses you know how how businesses work internally, but then how they work externally with other types of business across the spectrum. And that's that then led me into a whole variety of different recruitment roles where I ended up being the group sales manager of uh, recruitment for Manpower in the Middle East, which wasn't a, a, a long-lived job. But a very enjoyable one, and great to be out in in the Middle East in Dubai for a few years, um, and, and then the financial crisis happened. But I've jumped a few few jobs there ahead. So you you went through a number of jobs. I mean, what was the trigger to to move on? Was it just a, a desire to develop or opportunities? How did that come about? I think when I was younger, I always had a lot of ambition to be uh, to get very senior in 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 a company and drive teams. And um, I, I think by the time I got to the the job at Manpower, if I'm being honest, I probably didn't have the as much as experience as what I would have wanted for for a job like that. In, I, prior to that, I'd been a sales director and built a, a, a couple of startups. Uh, sales teams, which did very well. We launched a, an online job board in the Middle East and we, we did $800,000 in our first year. We built a sales team up to 12 people there. Uh, so yeah, very successful. Uh, but on the leadership front, um, probably by the time I got that job at 29, it was sort of like the sort of job I should have been doing after a bit, few more years in leadership experience before I got into that that role. But now I look back, and it, but it taught me well because it was a baptism of fire, and um, you know took me on to working at the business desk. Where, right? What 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 specifically do you think you you lacked apart from experience in that leadership in that early leadership role? Yeah, I, well, I think I was always plagued by thinking about you know not having the experience of being university educated, and 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 also not having a solid formal education within business studies. Um, when I look back now, I actually realised that, you know, how we kicked off this conversation, my engineering, my 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 experience of of dealing with problems and working, you know, within startups, that taught me a lot, a lot more than probably what I could have ever ever really learned in in any in any um, formal education. But and, and I suppose also a bit of maturity as well, you know. But at twenty nine and sat on the board of a big. A company have ninety people reporting to you in the Middle East is quite quite a daunting quite a daunting job, you know. Now it would have bothered me, but back then I was like, "Whoa, this is a big, this is a lot of responsibility," especially at a time when you know there was a financial crisis going on. Right, right. Just just go back slightly. You said you you, you launched a startup, the uh, the job board. 
talk us through that. How did that come about? And and again, what did you what did you pick up and what did you learn from that? As part of my when I was a recruitment consultant, I was recruiting for uh, uh, a new startup company in the UK called uh, I think it was called ScottishJobs.com, and uh, then they wanted to launch a. Um, a new a new startup job space called North England Jobs. So um, I, w- I was I was in the TA. I did I did some work with the the reserves in the military for some time, which we can talk about and come back to. Uh, and um, I after after completing that, I I took a job with them and we we launched a job called NorthEnglandJobs.com in out of Leeds, which was very very successful. And it was so successful that they closed us down and bought our competitor. Um, uh, and they offered us jobs at our competitor, the My Job Group, uh, or would me and my colleague like to go out to Dubai and do a raw startup from a, a hotel foyer called RecruitGolf.com? So we just said, yeah, let's do it. Uh, and that, that that was essentially just doing hard sales from a hotel foyer uh, well, at first. Uh, and we, we brought on board lots of big companies like Emirates Airlines and um, – all of the biggest companies in the Middle East because they were looking to attract people uh, from all over the world, uh, especially European educated into the into the Middle East. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that that was that was the job at Seon Group. And the Seon Group is or was, I think it's been sold now, was was run by uh, or owned by Leslie Buckley and Dennis O'Brien, who are a couple of the richest guys in Ireland. So that that was a, a real steep learning curve as well, reporting into people like that and to a billionaire and to uh, another multimillionaire who was who wasn't very patient with uh, with, with uh, uh, you know on the new startup fronts. Right. Okay. So so I mean we're, we're recording this in a, a very drizzly grey Leeds late October day, and you were offered the chance to go and work and live in Dubai for a while. Tough call. It was a it was a tough. It was at first once the honeymoon period had worn off. It was it was a bit tough, yeah. Because, but the the guy that I went out there with actually left and came back. He's he's uh, he was the guy that got me the job at the business desk, and uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Um, but uh, so it became lonely at, at first, and, and then establishing a company on my own over there. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it, but but uh, I'm sort of blurred all that out with a lot of a lot of beaches and a lot of brunches and, and a lot of enjoyment and going out a lot, you know, and networking. All <laughs> oh, right, ne- that's what they call it, networking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you mentioned something uh, a couple of minutes ago. You were in the TA and you were a reservist. Again, sort of similar to the engineering side of things. What did you learn in that period? That, that again contributes to I think you know what you're doing now as a as a as a as an MD and a business owner. Certainly, along a lot around teamwork, leadership, uh, operating with integrity. You know, um, work working very hard. Um, I I I was in a specialist unit in in the in the reserves, which took a selection process to get in. I did. I worked. I, I did it a lot. I did. I did a you know some years 120 days a year, uh, whilst having a full time job. Uh, it just taught me a lot of discipline, really. And you know, I like to used to also working with a lot of very competent and capable people as well. And you know, having oh, and also having having driving that attitude that even when the you know, when things are difficult and when the chips are down or when things, when people, sometimes you think you can't do something, there are ways that you can actually 
you can actually achieve still your objective, you know, with a with a lot of hard work and a lot of ingenuity. Right. Again, it's similar to the engineering, it's finding a solution to the problem. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, all of that has taught me well in my 14 years at the business desk. You know, when I joined the business desk, uh, we um, set up very successfully by a well-known person in Leeds, David Parkin and Paul Snape. They had a great idea. They had a great, a great concept, uh, a great network, a great audience. They'd only been going a couple of years when I joined uh, and I joined to launch their West Midlands region on a commercial front. And we did it massively successfully. Uh, and then it was, it, they exited a few years later and I, and I became a commercial director. And eventually then on a few years after that, did a management buyout with my colleague, Alex Turner. But through that period, there's been a lot of change and a lot of pivoting and a lot of, uh, you know, resilience application by us because other changes in media and the changes in in the economy you know we've we've seen all well pandemics <laughs> for instance you know it's been a really a really interesting time you know media our media company is a free to subscribe to media company we don't earn money off uh, you know people subscribing to us so we earn money off advertising content and events and then the advertising world has very much changed a lot with regards to the rise of pay-per-click or you know um seo or uh programmatic style advertising so we've always had to be very resilient and and, and you know thinking about what we do how, how we can pivot and change to change to market conditions as well you know i'll come back onto that we've jumped a little bit ahead haven't we um so we're in Dubai. We're we're networking on the beach. Um, how did how again? What did you pick up from that? What did you learn? What were the what were the you know what were the hard bits about doing that apart from the the, the loneliness? And and is it is it a very different business environment out there? I think one of the one of the greatest things that I learned was dealing dealing on an international level and dealing with different cultures. You know, Dubai really is a massive. Uh, melting pot of a variety of different cultures. You know, it's uh, got a very large uh, UK, British expatriate, um, uh, uh, you know, pe uh, people there. It's, it's, um, you have to deal differently on different sales fronts with different, uh, different cultures there, whether or not it's the Emiratis or whether it's you do, do a business with an Indian subcontinent. And one of the things I, I learned how to, to deal is when you, Dealing with people when English isn't the first language, uh, and that that taught me a lot. But also the the nuances with, with business as well. De dealing for me, dealing with business in the Middle East was very much about people didn't used to say no to to no, we don't want to do this. There wasn't as blunt as there might have been, you know, doing sales in in Yorkshire. People were a lot more polite sometimes, and um, uh, uh, sometimes you had to see through what were buying signals from doing business with people, and really knowing what you can concentrate on and what you can't concentrate on. And that that's taught me well actually as as well now because we know instinct. You know, I've got a sixth sense in business. What what is what I call a prospect or a suspect? You know, what is worth investing in you know, from a business opportunity perspective and what is, you know, something that's never going to happen. And that's something I always try to rub off on my sales team as well, how to really get down to that. Right. Okay. Okay. And what was the trigger to come back to the UK then? 
it wasn't a great story. You know, I'd, I'd moved to Manpower. Um, there was the financial crisis happening. And then there was almost like a second wave of financial crisis happening in the, in the Middle East at the time because DP world, there's a lot of problems around that. And it was at the time when uh, the um, the Burj Khalifa Tower was, you know, named after the Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi um families there there was a lot went on there it, it, i literally saw a lot of you know if you looked at dubai marina it, you could see the lights going off and you know the opportunities diminishing there really wasn't a lot of roles for someone at the salary level that i wanted i also wanted to come back uh, i wanted to come back and rejoin the uh, armed forces as well um and i uh, so I did. I, I just I decided I was doing a bit of interim work over there, and then I, just thought, I thought, no, I'm going to come back, and I came back and I joined the business desk. Before we get on to uh, talking about the business desk, I just want to share with everybody the Leeds Business Podcast Fair Deal. The Fair Deal has two sides to it. My side of it is I bring you inspirational, motivational, and interesting guests every week, free of charge, like Lee J. You, the listener, have. Two parts to your side of the fair deal. Part number one, I want you to share this podcast with just one person you think will get benefit from it. Part number two is I want you to post a review either at the Apple Podcast app at podchaser.com or give us a thumbs up on Spotify. Or if you're watching on YouTube, um, give this episode a thumbs up and a review. Sound like a fair deal, Lee J? I think that sounds like a fair deal. There you go. Lee J says it's a fair deal, so you've got to do it. So we've left Dubai. We come back to the UK. Take us forward from there. Yeah, I, I, I'd kind of like lined up the conversation to uh, get a job at the business desk through a guy called Phil Burkhead, who, who was the original guy who set up a, the Recruit Golf with me in Dubai. Uh, he he was took the lead on a lot of the sales uh, at the business desk. Um, I was invited in. I remember meeting David Parkin. Uh, I can still remember the interview very clearly, actually. It was a, a, an enjoyable interview. And I, I, within a couple of weeks, I'd started at the business desk launching the West Midlands region. At that time, the business desk had uh, Yorkshire running very successfully because, you know, David was a very well-known uh, character within the Leeds business community. That some of the board involved in the business desk were very much throughout the professional services spectrum within the the Leeds business community, and they'd also just launched in in the northwest. So they actually brought the launch forward of the West Midlands region because I, I you know, came and they they recruited a really good editor down there called Mark Reeves, who's now at Reach PLC, and uh, and we went out there with this new proposition. So I actually didn't move to Birmingham and instead was driving there and back three days a week uh, whilst doing a full day's job or every now and again staying over. Or, or sometimes when I stay over, staying in you know a travel lodge or an IBIS, which was a bit of a culture shock considering I was used to gold taps in uh, in Dubai. So, um, but yeah, in the first year we did, we, we, we did you know, uh, uh, met our sales targets down there. And then I um, moved into more of a Northwest role because we recruited a team in, in the West Midlands because we weren't performing there and, and took the lead, again, working with a really experienced editor there to turn turn that around and turn that successfully. And then um, 
as I say, the 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 original owners of the company exited, and uh, a guy called Mark Hales uh, bought bought the company. Um, and at that point, you know, sort of looking at different ways to 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 uh, to do it, you know, up it, let's say, you know, up the revenues, up the scale of it, uh, and really turn it on. So I went away and I wrote a business plan, submitted it to him, and over a weekend, and then I think shortly after. I was made commercial director to to um, take the sales team forward. So let's just take it a step back, one step, just for those who don't know businessdesk.com. Um, do you want to explain what it was and then what your business plan sort of said going forward? Slightly uh, self-arrogant, I suppose, of me, because I, I do a lot, you know, I always assume that most people are aware of the business desk and it's not, it, 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 a lot of people know about it. But not everybody. But so we are a, a regional business news company. We provide business news to business people. Um, and to put that into context of um, numbers, we're expecting about 3.5 million unique users read our pages this year. We're heavily subscribed to buy professional services. So I, you generally find corporate. Um, uh, teams within professional services subscribe to us as well as property because we do a we do a dedicated property email as well. So most people at a senior level, I, I always say, if you're if you're sitting on a board, reasonable sized board, decent sized company, at some point you're probably going to come into contact with the business desk in the regions that we operate in, and we operate in Yorkshire, the Northwest, the Midlands as a whole, and the Southwest as well. Um, and and uh, it's every day. An email will land in an inbox by about 8.30. It'll have about between 10 and 15 stories on there. Um, and, and it'll just be useful information for people that work in business. People read it because they want to know what's going on in their own regional landscape. They may just want to find out what their peers and you know their networks are doing themselves. Or they use it for lead generation themselves to have a look at um, where the opportunities are. You know, certainly... You know, we are a news company. Um, we do try and report on a lot of positive news and support the business community. Equally, we we do report on insolvencies and so forth. You know, and and still, still a lot of those insolvencies get most of the uh, the big hits. They're the big they're the big stories that people like to. You know, bad news still sells, unfortunately, but that's just the nature of people's interests in media. So that's what we do on the on the on the face of the business desk but un underpinning that from a commercial perspective we we're, we're a marketing and business development organization we we provide a whole variety of different marketing services whether or not it's branding through advertising you know driving traffic to people's websites or thought leadership you know um we we create reports or leading lawyers and accountants might go on and you know talk about how you get access to finance at the moment and how that can help entrepreneurs and business owners out there. Um, could be on a number of different subjects. You know, we people will write all sorts for, for, for content on our pages. And then we also do a lot of events. And our, our events have really ramped up in the recent years. We, we do 200 events this year, which, you know, a lot of them are round tables, private events, but a lot uh, we do a lot of awards events. We're, we're we're doing two conf we're doing a conference this week in Leeds, um, 
uh, I don't know when this podcast is going out, but it's on November the second, and then we've um, uh, we've got another big conference called our Rainmaker Conference in Manchester on March the twentieth next year. So yeah, lot, lots of business networking, lots of business interaction. Right. Okay. So I mean, you mentioned it earlier. You you've got sort of three commercial arms to the business. So there's the events. There's the advertising. Yeah, ace. Advertising, content, and events. So, yeah. But the, the events are driving about 75% of, of revenues uh, to the business now. Right. Okay. Okay. So would you almost see the the editorial as a, as a lost leader, sort of free news as a, as a way in to get in front of people? I see it as a marketing budget in many respects, if I was going to be brutally, you know, candid about, you know, it on a balance sheet, because we don't we don't heavily invest in any uh, marketing spend ourselves because um, we've already got the audience. So that that, that that's what it is. Uh, you know, it's outbound marketing is the is the news to generate interest to sell the services that we have. So we're always thinking of ways that we can service that 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 congregation, you know, the, that audience, whether or not it's a, uh, an event, a fun event, somewhat more serious, a report, you know, uh, a property event, you know, we, we even launched this, this regular wine tasting, you know, to have a, have a, have a, you know, a fun networking around, around wine tasting. So we're always open to just thinking, okay, we've got a lot of professionals. We've got a lot of executives within our audience. How do we provide content to them uh, and events that are going to be of benefit and use to them right okay okay so would you see yourselves as competitors to to something like the yorkshire post or or do you particularly the business side of the business section or or do you complement that how and then you've got business insider and all those are, are they all competition as well or are they again slightly different yeah i i think we don't i mean we don't really come up against the yorkshire post much you know i think there's i, I think there's you know i i want to see always want to see uh regional newspapers succeed you know because the business element to the yorkshire post is only a very you know small element of what they do and and i think what they do is a is a great job we're, we're, you know across the media news spectrum um insider you mentioned yeah insider are direct competition to us equally you know we are a digital purely digital publication and always have been you know they've got different facets to that they've also got a, a, a publication magazine as well uh, we have launched uh, direct competitive brands against them you know our rainmaker brand being one of it that goes against their deal makers and we, we launched that because we thought there was a space you know we uh you know that it, some people like Pepsi, some people like Coca-Cola, don't they? And you've got two big uh, um, players within the, you know, car- caramel carbonated drinks uh, <laughs> uh, arena. Uh, it's so, so yeah, that, that's how I see as a, an insider. And people have their preferences or a lot of people out there may even receive both publications. I don't know. Let's go back a step. So we've, we've talked about um, Business Desk as a, as a product. Let's talk about it as a business. You said you were brought in on the commercial side and then it was sold and then you did an MBO. Talk us through that. How did that happen? I think it was always the plan for, for the, the investor who bought the company to, to not manage it long term. Uh, it was always a plan to either, you know, an exit on a trade sale or do an MBE. He, he built up an internal senior leadership team 
Um, so, yeah, so that's how that came about. And I, I was over time sort of drip fed more and more responsibility. Where, you know, I had the commercial director responsibility and then, you know, started to write the business plans, started to, um, you know, do do all the recruitment elements. The the only bit of the business I, you know, very much don't get involved in still still to this day, my colleague Alex Turner does, is, is all what I call the creative element to what we do, you know, in the content. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm dyslexic. I can't, I can't write a paragraph without, without making mistakes. So I was, ne I'm never going to be a, a, a quality writer. Um, so, but, but the responsibility of the business, you know, um, I took, took more of. We, we, we did the MBO. Uh, we did that through a, um, well, I can't really go into detail, but you know, through a process that we were uh, pay back a lump sum money over a certain part, a certain amount of years, we're we're nearly there with that now. It, it, you know, we did that in 2017. We're uh, at the end of 2017. We didn't have much money in the bank, so it was going a, uh, a few steps back with the business, and then we we pumped pumped in. We're just getting into it, and then obviously the pandemic happened, which was really really good fun. Sure. You know, when, when we, yeah. you know, two guys had just done an MBO only a, a couple of years before. So, but we perfect timing. Yeah, and uh, and at that stage, we, we'd identified with the MBO that we were going to really wanted to drive our event side of our business out of the advertising content and events. We knew we had to really drive that. You know, that was the big opportunity for us. And obviously, when the pandemic happened, literally overnight, it was ah. How do we get around this then? You know, what do we do now? Um, and, you know, for me, I heard stories of companies struggling, oh, you know, not, not being, having servers and not being, you know, integrated, you know, on clouds and things like that. And, you know, not everyone having laptops, et cetera. We weren't like that when the pandemic happened. We, we just, we just sent everyone home and everyone had a laptop everything that we did was digital based everything that we did was paperless so you know we we were well set up on that front but we were really disadvantaged because we had about 100 events planned that we 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 had to postpone delay cancel you know work through some of them we we replaced with digital events and that and it was a tough time for us i i, I tell the story which is it happened and i went to bed crying into my glass of malbec thinking you know, I've been spending uh, 10 years at the business desk working towards this and overnight sort of pretty much shut down by government because we couldn't, we couldn't, you know, uh, drive the income, the revenue, because it, it was through people, people meeting each other in person. Yeah. Wow. That must have been really tough. Um, it was tough, but I'm, I'm very resilient and unfortunately... We had a team at the time that um, just got on board. I mean, I, I, I've told this story before. I've nearly started crying. Where I couldn't believe that how the 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 culture in our company at that time was amazing. Like everybody was like, "Yeah, let's get this done." And and what we quickly realised in the pandemic was that we. Actually, this isn't a bad thing for us because we own a digital space. We have a digital audience. We have a need to, you know, people have a need still to try and carry on with business. People have a, a need a channel out to market. So we looked at that and we thought, okay, how are we going to do that? So LinkedIn 
to me at the time just seemed like, I said it was like content crush. You just had so many businesses sort of all scrambling to get in, you know, their own information. That was sort of the, some of their only routes out to market to try and get their business message out, whether or not it was support, you know, accountancy, law firms, et cetera, supporting their clients or whatever. They wanted to be seen to be supporting, et cetera. And so we realized, well, we're on the content side of things, we've got a really strong position and we've got a really strong voice to market. And we so we capitalized on that with a lot of, uh, I actually at that time as well, remember phoning around, you know, people in senior positions in the marketplace, so literally saying, can you support us? Can we do you a deal? What do you know? We want some money throwing our way. We'd like you to support us. And, you know, we will, here's the keys to the safe almost. So what do you want? What do you want? We'll, we'll, we'll do these deals. And I, I won't name any names, but I'm very grateful for some, some businesses out there that actually took the opportunity to go, do you know what? We'll support you. And then the other element was that we, we looked at our events and we just went, well, webinars, let's do lots of webinars. And, we, we sold loads of them. We did, we did lots and lots and lots. So, so in that pandemic, yeah, we, all of those things that I was talking about earlier, the engineering mindset, the resilience mindset, that all got tested and got put into play. And we, we, we still made a profit that, that year. Um, and we, we only furloughed our events team. Um, and I'm very grateful because I think it was that time where we sorted ourselves out a lot more, got a lot more organized, got a lot more structured. We um, secured our place. We saw an increase in traffic, and all, all different, all different positives uh, came out of that for us. Yeah, I was going to say, as a as an online business serving the business community, whilst obviously it's a you know commercially it's a shock to you, you actually were in the right place to to take advantage of 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 that move to online that everybody had to do. Absolutely, I I, I mean. It always surprised me when, 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 when I started at the business desk in 2010, even in 2010, what's the, you know, the internet had been around what, you know, prolifically for what, 13, 14 years or something like that, you know, uh, when did Google launch? 98 was it or, or something? But in 2010, when we launched the, the West Midlands business desk, I, I remember meeting partners of some firms and trying to, almost sell the concept of the of of digital and the internet to them still and i was like i can't believe i'm having the, these conversations these conversations are 10 years out of date you know um but then i said the pandemic even accelerated that digital digital if you didn't if you weren't a digital business then um then what were you doing? You had to have a digital strategy, you know, and that's why we talk about a lot about digital transformation now, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and all businesses harnessing that. But that I, I think it accelerated it a lot more during the pandemic. And yeah, we did, we, we, we felt like we land grabbed during that period and, you know, capitalized our position around, around being a, you know, a go-to digital business media. Okay. Okay. Um, just back on, just back on the MBO. Somebody who's looking to do an MBO now, what would you advise them? What are the good bits? What are the bad bits? What are the bits to look out for? Oh, I mean, I, 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 I've never said this publicly, but one thing I will say is, you know, I, I, my co-director is, I, 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 did, I wrote, I, put, I pulled the budget together and the plan together, and that was all great. But the stuff that I really needed support on uh, was, was all of the, the legals. And he, he was very, very good at that. And, and that's, 
<clears throat> that would be stuff to watch out on for me if I was doing it again. And having a really good trusted advisor on the legal front to make sure that everything is gone through in in detail. Equally, we were well supported by you know we had a great relationship with the the investor who was uh, selling us. Uh, he's still still in the business, still still a, still a shareholder in the business, so he didn't exit completely. But I, you know, just really understanding thoroughly all the legal aspects and the implications of them is something to really you know spend time getting down to on anything like that. Right. So the easy bit is putting the business plan together. The, it's all the, uh, the dotting the i's and crossing the t's. I, I I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say putting the business plan together was easy because I don't think we 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 met for the, we didn't we didn't we didn't achieve it exactly how we wanted to achieve it in the first few years, you know. Um, and we, and we still I, I still think now you put a business plan together and then, you know, a few months later things change and and, and don't, not go out of the window. But you have to you have to always be willing to be flexible and agile, and um, and and so so yeah. I, but putting the business plan, we knew what direction we were going in anyway, because we were already ingrained in the business. So we knew what the business, you know, need what direction it needed to go in. Obviously, at that time, if we would have known a pandemic was coming down the road, we may have factored that into the our, equa- our equations when we were, you know, writing the business plan or being a little bit more, you know, thinking about you know the digital aspect and webinars and things like that, which at the time we we didn't at all um so yeah yeah that uh, i think from a if anyone's thinking about an mbo and doing that i i would say i heard a quote once from was it richard branson who said if you're not sure how to do something say yes i'll do it and then figure out how to do it later i don't advise that all the time in business but i do think there's going to be a lot of elements around self doubt when you're doing an MBO, can I do this? Am I ready for this? Uh, I, do, I don't know how to do this, etc. There's going to be all them questions. The, the, the fact of the matter is that <clears throat> you're always going to be like that in business. You're always not going to know everything. You're always going to be looking, you, looking, you know, you, you're often going to make wrong decisions. You know, the, the, the best thing is to, to recognize them and then, you know, the, the old correct, not protect but yeah, so so it's worth it, is what I would say. It's 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 very stressful, but don't let the uh, the bigger picture sometimes you know confuse too much because it's worth pursuing, and you should just break down targets into you know bracket bracket them, and these are these are the targets. This is what I need to do here. This is how I'm going to achieve this. You know, awards are won by by lots of small battles, really. Very true. And I think your point about, you know, being out in business, we never know everything. And there's, you know, if you don't come across stuff that you don't know, you're not stretching yourself enough anyway. Absolutely. I mean, I'm const- we, we are constantly taking ourselves out of the comfort zone, you know, every day. Uh, and there's, a, I think, I think the thing in media as well, and I, don't, I can't speak for all companies, but certainly you have to keep being different and you have to keep innovating and improvising and being different all the time because it's different to other businesses where I'm going to make this machinery and you might have a longer sales time on things and you know that may run for a few years and then okay then you might have to innovate and you know to stay ahead of it but in our business all the time we're we're always having to change things and 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 be ahead be ahead of the game and and know what the market wants as well absolutely absolutely 
Now, every week on the Leeds Business Podcast, we ask our esteemed guests to give us a how-to. So, over to you, Lee J. I think, like I always encourage everybody, is how to get on with things, and, and especially on a commercial front as well, say, say our, our, our sales team. I, I always say engage with people, speak to them, talk to them. You don't always need to do lots and lots and lots of research before you speak to people. You know, certainly on a commercial front, sometimes it's just good to know what they do. You can find out all the rest of the information that you, you, you need to learn by having that conversation. The better thing in business is to have as many conversations and meet as many new people as possible all the time. So my, so my, uh, my advice always is, you know, I always say, let's get on the dance floor and have a, have a boogie and not tiptoe around it all the time. You know, it's, uh, we, so my how to is, Either pick up that phone or do the do direct marketing. If you've got, if you're not sure about something or you're thinking about something, speak to the right people and just you know make sure them conversations happen. Get out there and proactively always be speaking, whether or not it's a sales or it's a problem that needs addressing or whatever. Engage and talk about things and get into it. There's no point just overthinking things and there's no point researching things over the top all the time because it's that thing that will kill you. That procrastination, I think, in business. Right. So avoid avoid procrastination. And uh, as I always say to my clients, JFDI. JFDI. Go on then. What's that? Yeah. Well, I won't, I won't tell you what the F is, but the, the J is just and the D and the I do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and I see that a lot in people that, um, you know, we manage uh, or have managed over the years that that sometimes Oh, I don't, I, you know, I'm not sure how to do that, so I'm not going to do it. Or I, I don't know how to engage with them, so I'm not going to do it. Or I've sent one email and I haven't heard back with them. It doesn't mean someone doesn't want to do business with you. It doesn't mean someone doesn't want to come speak at one of your events. It doesn't mean anything. It, someone hasn't, it just might be that they're so busy. But sometimes when you have a conversation with people, things happen. Beautiful things happen when you, when you talk to people. And I, and I think, you know, engagement is, and that's something that I think we've lost in, you know, that that's the, the irony about the the role or the contradiction, you know, we're we're a digital business, but in a digital world now with you know digital marketing as well, is that we we are we losing sometimes the element of talking? It's something that we 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 hear back from the business community all the time. You know, people need to meet people more. People need to talk more. It's that that creates business opportunities and uh, and creates networks and creates long term friends as well. So yeah, JFDI, JFDI, I like it. There you go. You can borrow that if you see that in the thebusinessdesk.com very soon. You'll know where it came from. <laughs> and finally, finally, the last thing we ask all our guests to give a shout out to another Leeds business. So Lee J, who are you going to give a shout out to? I'm going to give a shout out to CurveBlock. Uh, so CurveBlock is a really, really, really interesting business that is just on the precipice of flying off and doing wonderful things at the moment. We've been supporting that business. We supported them with some marketing a few years ago. Uh, they're a, uh, a fintech business born out of Leeds, and they are wanting to change uh, the world of property investment by uh, democratizing property investment. So it's kind of like, it's not like a... Uh, cryptocurrency, but you can invest into it and have digital shares in them. And then what they do is they only focus on building property developments that are 100% uh, energy positive. So they actually produce more 
you know, electricity than, than they actually use. And they're, they're, they're looking at hundreds of millions of, of property developments uh, at the moment. Um, really exciting business. You know, it's, it's definitely one to watch and one, one to keep an eye out for. And I, I wish them all the success in the world because if they take off, they're going to go, you know, uh, uh, to, to the moon. You know, you know there, there's people talk about, you know, the next unicorn or looking out, you know, the, the next types of business. And I, I, I'd love to see a unicorn business come out of Leeds and I'd love to, I'd love it to be curve block. Fantastic. Fantastic. There will be a link in the show notes below. So anybody who wants to have a look at them, uh, you'll be able to find them. Lee J, thanks very much indeed. It's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you found it interesting, inspiring and of use. To make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes, please subscribe to the show. Go on, do it now. Do it now before you go off and do something else. Thank you. Much appreciated. Oh, and don't forget our fair deal. See you next week.